Welcome to the 10-Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. I'm your host, Dr. Bill Young. It's that time of the year again when students begin to prepare for the National Registry of EMT Certifying Exam. You've spent many hours studying about the body and how to treat it when it malfunctions. Why not spend a little time studying the exam that will lead to your license as an EMS professional? In today's podcast, we'll take a look at the exam and how you can best prepare for it. National Registry test questions are multiple choice with four potential answers. There's a popular urban legend that all the answers are correct and the candidate must choose which one registry believes is the most correct. This is false. The questions you'll see are developed and reviewed by a panel of EMS experts from around the world who are not employed by the National Registry. They must come to a consensus that the question agrees with the practice analysis study determining the activities of EMS responders. They make sure that there's only one correct answer. Now, the other choices may have some grain of truth in them, but they are indeed incorrect. Now, while this might seem like a process of trickery, it actually serves to evaluate your level of critical thinking ability. Each answer must be referenced by the most common EMT textbooks that are used in the nation today. The computer-based exam that the National Registry is now utilizing is called CAT, or Computer Adaptive Testing. And each exam is tailored specifically to the individual student candidate. This means that the exam that you take will be personalized for you and you alone. This testing method uses a process called IRT, or Item Response Theory. Item Response Theory testing is used in almost all other health professionals testing for licensure. IRT is a recognized scientific method to help you measure your degree of competency that is based on the fact that the likelihood of a testing candidate answering a question correctly is directly related to their ability and the difficulty level of a question. Computer adaptive National Registry exams will deliver questions one at a time to the candidate and are not randomly generated. They are rated along the same ability scale as the candidate exhibiting proficiency. In other words, The exam will measure your proficiency and give you questions that stretch you. Almost everyone who comes out of the exam feels that they've done poorly. The first questions on the exam are generally just below the passing standard. If a question is asked that is below the candidate's level of ability, the probability is high that the candidate will answer the question right. Additionally, there are some questions that will be asked that are considered pilot questions for future exams. They have absolutely no bearing on whatsoever on whether you're going to pass or fail. If a question that's asked is missed by the candidate, they'll receive a slightly less difficult question as their next one. If the student is successful in answering the question correctly, then a somewhat more difficult question will pop up. As the questions get more difficult, the student will begin to miss them. At that point, the questions get a bit easier until you are successfully answering them again. At this point in the exam, the application software determines the ability estimate for the student and begins delivering questions that are slightly harder or slightly easier than the candidate's ability. Question difficulty is determined by whether you answer the item correctly or not. As the CAT exam progresses, this estimate gets more and more precise as the pattern of right to wrong answers really begins to show whether you have entry-level competence. The exam will end at the point where there is a high degree of certainty that the candidate's true ability is above or below the passing standard. CAT matches the question difficulty of the candidate's perceived level of ability, and this limits the number of questions delivered 
as well as increases accuracy. No more are the days of sitting and taking a 180 multiple choice question by paper. You cannot skip a question and come back to it later. This drives some people crazy. The nature of the CAD exam requires that you answer each question individually before any individual questions are delivered. So what should you study to prepare for the National Registry exam? When I was completing my doctoral studies, I was required to take a comprehensive exam at the end of the course. I asked my advisor as to how I should study and what I should know. His reply was that I needed to know everything about everything. Well, that wasn't much help, but it also pertains to the registry exam. Technically, you should know everything that was covered in the EMS course materials. There's no secret methods or insights that can replace proper test preparation, but there are some things that are common. The tests are heavy in the basics. Let's take a look at some of these areas of study. No CPR and shock as well as all the segment categories of the test itself. It's broken down into multiple categories that include airway and breathing, cardiac, medical, trauma, OB and pediatrics, and operations. We'll talk more about operations in a minute. Know the major components of the airway and the normal ranges of respiration for adult and pediatric patients. Keep in mind that the registry will not ask you what a normal respiratory rate is, but you must be able to determine what is abnormal and how to develop a treatment plan to address it. Be familiar with diabetic emergencies and the various causes of syncope. There is a large portion of the exam that's related to operations, and many students overlook this. Since September 11, a great effort has been made to incorporate more education about NIMS and ICS with regards to EMS. Understand how these systems work and how they might apply to a mass casualty incident, and you'll be a step ahead of the other candidates. This is a commonly failed section as EMS operations are typically covered at the beginning of the class, never to be referred to again. When you're getting close to the end of the class, make sure you go back and refer to it. The National Registry exam is not based upon the textbook that you used in your class and is not based on how you provide pre-hospital care in your state. The exam is based upon the National Registry practice analysis done every five years. The exam questions are written to fall within the Department of Transportation Educational Guidelines and as such cover the national scope of practice. EMT books, on the other hand, give you their interpretation of the standards. So, what are some best strategies for you in taking the exam? Well, first read the whole question all the way through at least a couple of times and formulate the answer in your head prior to looking at your answer choices. National Registry test questions are typically only two lines or less in length. Each word is important. If you look at the answer choice prior to understanding the question completely, you may be led to choose an incorrect answer. Also be sure that you know where you are in the scenario. There's four potential answers. Two of them can be eliminated right away after reading the question a couple of times. Now you just have to decide the best choice between the remaining two. Not knowing where you are in the process of assessment might make you select airway when you are actually plopped down in a section that is beyond where you would assess the airway. It's time to be honest here. Most of the questions that you're going to get in some of the training programs are in the knowledge category. 80 to 90% of the time, these are the questions that you're going to see in your class. 
respectfully ask your instructor how they construct the questions. If they're getting all of them from the publisher's test bank, you may have some challenges when you get to take the registry's exam. These knowledge questions are not bad, but if that's all that you see, then you're going to struggle when you get into the higher level critical thinking questions. Don't complicate the scenario or the situation when you're looking at it. In other words, don't play the, well, what if? Don't bring elements into the questions that aren't there. This will cause you to overlook basics, which is probably what the question is testing for. Relax, 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 and don't forget to breathe. Finally, don't rush. You have got more than enough time to answer all the questions that you're going to get, and it's more important for you that you answer each question accurately rather than quickly. Another urban legend says that you can tell whether you've passed by the number of questions you get. This is also false. Remember from earlier in our podcast, we discussed how the software determines what question you'll receive as well as how difficult it'll be? This is what determines whether you pass or not. Whether you get the minimum or the maximum number of questions only says that it took the minimum or maximum number of questions to determine whether you passed, determining that you're competent, or failed, determining that you are not competent. We here at the 10 Minute Medic want to wish you good luck as you get closer to taking your certifying exam. We have a whole host of podcasts that will help you to prepare for those, so we encourage you to go back into our library and listen to those today. Thanks again for listening.